Hey, greetings, everybody. Uh, this is Wesley Pepper. This is the Art Lexia podcast. Uh, it is episode 91. It is kind of early in the morning in South Africa, um, but that's all good. Uh, and um, before I introduce uh, this week's guests, um, just a few quick words. On last week, we had a bit of a technical nightmare, man. Um, and I'm actually tired of pointing fingers towards that, but it's just been scheduling thing and the government's load shedding bullshit has not been helping um so yeah sorry about that but anyway it's not that i'm really sorry it's just how it is but before we get into it man um yeah i mean we're recording this thing on the 10th of october um if you guys know that there's been more death in the arts community i mean um samson and cc passed away on um I think two days ago. Maybe four years ago. Yeah. And um, yes. yeah, man, um, I knew him. Um, I've actually got drunk with him maybe twice, maybe three times. Um, I knew his work. Um, I've don't really, I haven't really collaborated with him, but I, I know I've done at least three shows, uh, group shows where mm-hmm. he's worked with. Um, really sad what happened to him um so this is just yeah yeah man it's i mean i also i'm very familiar with his work um the last time i saw him actually was this year we were at kitchener's um and you know he's he's he works a lot like he really produced a lot of art um um we'll definitely miss him um yeah I'm very sad, yeah. Man, um, it was really, really sad story. I actually heard it was a heart attack. So that sucks. And um, <laughs> it actually happened two days after the opening of the show. So exactly, it was yeah. Just, it, was just, it was just, I just, we just felt it was just, you know, um, we've actually mentioned most of us that passed away on this one, this platform. Um, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, uh, I'm thinking we should we'll probably do like another full on, um, episode on that yeah um, uh, yeah so please check out his work i'm not sure where his work is showing but we'll keep you guys updated please check it out and um you know yeah yeah, yeah. my memory says he's uh he's got a show currently in global but anyway um i yeah. think it's just a it's just such a sad thing but anyway man um you know um yeah he's all resting peace Anyway, my brother, today's um, today's episode, we have a brother all the way from Texas. He's very, very far away. But um, clearly, if you look at him, you can see his, his heart is definitely based here on the continent. Uh, we have Asar Gebolan all the way from Texas. It's in Austin, Texas, correct? Yeah, Austin, Texas. Yeah, um, my brother. Um, yeah, man. Thanks for having. Thanks, thanks, thanks for coming through. Um, you know, we know I met Asai actually through consciousness. Where he gave us, where he gave us some of his writing and we'll touch base on some of that. He's a podcaster too. Um, it's about nine o'clock in the evening on a Sunday evening. There, your side, my king. Um, we really enjoy the. I said off. Yeah, I really enjoy the background. Um, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, it feels like you feels like you write at all. Very West African. Um, so yeah. Um, firstly, let's start off with um, good evening. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good here in Texas, United States. Uh, I was actually, I'm in Austin, Texas. I was actually born not too far from here. 
uh, grew up in, you know, attended school and I went to, uh, graduated from Texas A&M University, which literally I, I was born and grew up in the shadow of the university. And uh, that's where I went to school. So I left there and I went to, to D.C. Uh, back in those days, it was known as Chocolate City, which is a vanilla suburb, you know, predominantly black population, but it has changed through gentrification. Uh, over the years, and after 30 years, a few years ago, after 30 years, I ended up back in in Texas at the University of uh, Texas at Austin, which uh, held a 117 year rivalry with Texas A&M University, where I'm a graduate of. So that's kind of ironic that I'm here, being in what we Texas A&M Aggies. I'm here with the long. Yeah, that's where I am. Sure. Yeah, man. Um, interesting. And um, you're a writer also. And I mean, I loved, I, I enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your podcast. Um, there's a very storytelling element in what you do. Obviously, you're a storyteller. Can you tell us about that? How did it start out? Um, and the age of the of the podcast you know um it comes from a certain space like you know old america um can you tell us about that sure so you say that i'm a i'm a writer i, I like to call myself and the way that i met uh, uh wesley and uh, uh my man consciousness magazine uh i was living in nigeria at the time and i lived there for about for about three years after I left DC, I ended up in Lagos, Nigeria, after traveling there for like 20 years at the time. And uh, I published several pieces about what I was experiencing in Africa, living in West Africa on the African continent. But uh, moving forward to, so I thank you for that saying that I'm a writer or a storyteller, because I, I say that I'm that, but I don't know if other people consider me that. No, you definitely <laughs> And before you continue, Uncle Asa, what, what did you find interesting? Because we haven't really like seen those papers, né? but we'll check them out. But what was interesting living in Nigeria? Um, which well, it, was year? A, it was a host of things. I lived in, in Lagos from 2013 to 2016. It was a host of different things. I wrote on uh, patriarchy, West African patriarchy. I wrote on some of the, the the laws that were being passed. I visited the the ninth largest slum, but the largest slum built on water in the world. Ninth largest slum in the world, largest slum built on water in the world, which is Makoko, which is a, is a, a beautiful people in Nigeria. So I did a two piece uh, article on that and uh, many other things, many other things. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. You asked me about Jollyville. Yes. <laughs> the podcast is actually the brainchild of a, of a guy I used to work with at the University of Texas. He's since moved on to another university and doing some other things. Uh, but we worked hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And during the the, the uh, pandemic, uh, every time we talk, you know, about students, or whatever, we just get into this personal conversation. You know, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, I was a writer, storyteller, I was a poet, this kind of thing. And he said, well, hey, man, I'm, I'm starting this podcast and it's going to be, you know, this and that, would you like to be a part of it? Now, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, because I'm not doing anything else. And I had just moved back to Texas. I didn't know anybody. And now we're mm -hmm. shut in, sequestered. And 
I was like, yeah, man, you know, I want to move outside of my, my comfort zone, you know, but I really want to stay in my comfort zone to be outside mm -hmm. of my comfort zone, if that makes any sense. So he came back to me and he was like, okay, Phil, so we're going to do this thing. What, what would you like to do? So being a Pan-Africanist, I was like, uh, anything I do, I want to do some type of, you know, social activism, you know, and I'm trying to really get the guy off me, right? Because I really, really don't want to do it, you know. And so he, <laughs> he came back to me and he was like, well, that's great. You know, we'll do this comedy make-believe stuff and then we'll move into the real world and we'll let you interview people who are doing community building. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm trapped now. So then he's like, well, what's the, what's, what do you want to call that segment? And I'm like, oh, I got him here. I'll say community beat, you know, something very, you know, black, you know. <laughs> and he was like, I love it. So we started doing it. So basically, Jadavir Radio, KJVR, as we call it, is, uh, is a semi-fictional, uh, but it's, it's an actual neighborhood in Austin, Texas, where this, this guy lived, Michael Cross is his name. And uh, he just created this semi-fictional uh, village of people and happenings and this type of thing and comedy and skits and sketches. And at the very end, I would come on and interview people from all over the United States. And we interviewed some people in, in uh, the UK, we interviewed people in New Zealand. We interviewed a guy in uh, Hawaii, and we interviewed uh, Wesley. So, you know, it's an international segment. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first year, uh, which was the first year of the the uh, pandemic, we were doing it every week. Every week there was a different person interviewed, mm -hmm. and we had to come up with sketches, and we were writing sketches, and we had actors, and, you know, all of his friends and, all, and, and everything going on. And then the second year, and it's not based on year, it was like, we did it for a period of time and then we decided to take a break and then we start up again. So then we started doing it like every other week. And then finally we we were doing it like once a month. And then recently we just started the the fifth, I think it's the fifth season. Okay. And we're gonna record everything. We're gonna write everything and record everything all at once in a couple of months, recording everything and then just push yeah. it out. So uh, yeah, publish it. Yeah. No. Guys, check it out. I mean, I enjoy the podcast. It, it reminds me of theater in radio, man. Like, I really miss that. And I love how you deal also with, like, very ordinary issues, you know, everyday issues um, at the salon or, you know, chilling with friends. Like, I really, really commend that. Um, so at the university, do you teach? Do you lecture? No, no, no. I am a, well, when I started at the university, I was in financial aid. I'm not sure if you have financial aid in South Africa. I know it's not in yeah, other parts. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, aid. so I worked there and I recently transitioned to the Department of Mechanical and Engineering and I am a senior academic advisor there. Mm -hmm. So and interesting enough, right now we're in the midst of registration for the spring. So my calendar from, you know, morning to it's full working with students trying to get their schedules and, and classes chosen for their their uh, uh classes in the in the spring mm -hmm. yeah because you know what uh uncle asam and you'll understand this because dealing with students it's another thing you know i feel like um sorry i'm just talking about your podcast right now because you know that is you man um it at least keeps the creativity, imagination, 
going because you know you're dealing with images that you make up in your mind i mean i'm a writer i'm a poet myself so i i really appreciate how you capture capture and fascinate young minds especially when they live on screens and um you know sort of come lazy you know what i mean so my career when i left texas uh several years ago in the in the last millennium won't give a date, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's obvious by my gray hair. But uh, I went. I, I ended up in Washington D.C. and I went into the nonprofit or NGO, probably what you would be akin to what you know as NGO, but nonprofit uh, youth and family services. So I worked mm-hmm. with young people in uh, our people in poor neighborhoods around Washington D.C. and being a Pan Africanist. I infused all of my knowledge mm-hmm. and my creativity as a poet into that work. So it's something that I've always done. And I try to bring uh, part of that to Jollyville. Um, and I also try to bring it to the students that I'm working with now. And incidentally, you know, I kind of puff my chest out when I say this and try to make my mother proud. I am uh, one of the co-president of the Black Faculty and Staff Association at the University of Texas at Austin. So I'm trying to do some, some, you know, some positive uh, uh, transformational work there. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Let's actually, let's, let's take it from there. Uh, um, if you can just give us uh, our listeners. So um, clearly Pan-Africanism has, um, has really shaped your processes and your um and, and moving forward and uh, i know it resonates um, um a lot um and you mentioned of like working with um working in more um let me say quarter neighborhoods um um or less um, and you also mentioned something of um the chocolate city that's now gentrified um those are those are things that uh, we're dealing with very much here in South africa as well um, um so Let's just let's just try to um, take it a little from the back. How um, I guess, man, um, from a from an African American, um, I know from a few collaborations I've done in the past and so forth. Um, I know the more the lack of identity or not being able to identify with this more this Western um, space that um, that 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 America is all about. I guess what is it or what, um, um, or rather, where did it, where did it, where did it all start for you, man? Um, um, and what, and what is it about the continent that really resonated for you that you said, oh, okay, I've got to go to Nigeria to go and um, look, learn, and study, and so forth. And um, how did you sort of use that, um, that um, I would say, connecting with your roots? And I use it as a loose term, really, because I know it's a very layered thing. Uh, uh, how did you use all that? Um, how did all those influences or what? Why is it about things that shaped you, and um, and um, moving forward, and uh, you know, and, and like you say, you're using it in all these in a form of social activism, digital activism, and so forth. So the the odd thing, the ironical thing, is that attending a predominantly white university or what what they call now a predominantly white institution, Texas A&M University, in the in the in the mid to late eighties. That is where I gained my socio-political and historical cultural consciousness. Funny as it is, 
uh, in the late 80s, I'm sure you know uh, what was going on in South Africa. Uh, Jesse Jackson was running for president here. Everything was going on in South Africa. All those things, you know, were coming to crescendo. Um, and then I read a book, Malcolm X's speech. It was a collection of all of his speeches. And something in that lit something in me. And uh, I wanted, you know, that proverbial question that everyone asks when you're about to graduate university, what are you going to do now? And after reading Malcolm X, I said, I, I want to be a human rights activist because he had already taken our struggle out of the United States to the world stage. And in his words, he said, you don't take your case to the criminal, you take your criminal to court. So it became a, it, so it becomes a human rights issue. And that resonated with me. And I was like, okay. So when people ask me, well, what do you want to do when you graduate? I said, I'm a human rights activist. Of course, I feel, you know, miserably short of that. But, <laughs> but that's what led me to DC because I felt like that is the place where world policy is disseminated. So and I made a, a promise to myself that if I were ever in a financial situation where I could, I would wear African clothing every day. And because that wasn't style, you know, it wasn't the style, but people, it was more accepted. You know, everybody was wearing different things. So I met this cat from Nigeria and uh, incidentally, it gave me access to African clothing. So I started buying pieces and I started wearing it every day because the transformation came from inside out. So it made it easy for me to do that. I didn't ask anybody any questions. Can I wear this on a job or can I wear this to this event? It wasn't a question for me. And then many people would ask me, you know, well, how many of those outfits do you have? And I'm like, how many jeans and t-shirts do you have? This is what I wear, you know. I wore it uh, to work, I wore it to work out, I wore it to the club, I, you know, 24-7, this is what I wore. So I, um, then I started traveling with this, with this, with this guy and, uh, to Nigeria, and uh, we started traveling like every other year, and sometimes we went twice a year, and I ended up traveling to Ghana, and, uh, and uh, they established this international medical missions, and I became a part of that, and we went to, you know, the medical missions in Nigeria, and then, um, but just to backtrack, because again of my Pan-Africanism and my, my knowledge of Africa and working in uh, underserved communities in the U.S. And, and, and working with our people, I infused all of that, the knowledge I knew, where I was coming from with uh, poetry and, you know, rap. I actually wanted to be a rapper when I was in 1979, when I was like 12, when Rapper Delight, you know, <laughs> first international rap record i learned i tried to learn every rap song on the on the radio and so i took the the poetry and i started writing raps and things like that so i used the, the rap the uh call and response uh poetry uh chants all of that in my work with with black youth and and, and going forward so Okay, um, you know what you say about appearance, like, it's very, very important. I think it's important what the eye sees, you know, like, that's how you show black love, you know, um, because unfortunately, we are making people rich for no reason, you know, by following these brands. I mean, it does nothing to the black community. And um, yeah, being a human rights activist, right, um, reminded me of the the public lecture that we spoke about earlier on, on of, of Soul Blighty, 
who was a human rights activist, actually, a language activist as well. And um, in the lecture by Professor William Lamini, he spoke about the accountability, you know, of our leader. There's no accountability in our political um, your story. Like people do whatever they want. Yeah, no accountability. Everybody does what they want. But like, how do you guys deal with that? Um, you know, or how do you see it in your current um, position in the U.S.? Well, you also, yeah. So go ahead. Go on, go on. So I was saying, unfortunately, in the U.S., uh, that's not a problem. Uh, mm -hmm. Oddly enough, last winter, the entire state of Texas was out was without water and electricity because of a winter storm, and that was mm -hmm. like unheard of. So people actually got a taste of what's it, what's it what's it like in the rest of the world. But living in Nigeria, uh, fortunately, I was living in a state with some friends where we had two large generators. It was a brand new estate. And if the power went out, 30 seconds later, we had power. But for the people of Nigeria, that's a very difficult problem. You mentioned, you know, you exaggerate two weeks. That's not an exaggeration in somewhere like Nigeria. It, they may go for months in some areas without any electricity. And then the funny thing is, well, not the funny thing, but the... The sad thing is they will still be charged for electricity. And you asked before, what, what, were I, what was I writing about? I wrote about some of these things. How is it that the, the largest black nation on earth uh, with its wealth of resources, that the people don't have running water to bathe with or to cook with, or the children don't have light in the evening to study by? I mean, that is, in West Africa, they talk a lot about uh, abomination. That is an abomination. Now, I put that in one of the pieces. That is the abomination for that to exist. And then you have leaders uh, who are living very opulent lives and they're jet setting across the world and they have estates in, in the US and in the UK and in different parts of the world. And you go back to their home countries and the people are suffering. This is unacceptable. So how do we hold our leaders accountable? Well, mm -hmm. when the youth, youth are the ones who will have to do the work. The old guys like me, you know, I cannot run the police anymore. Uh, <laughs> part of the reason that I came back from Nigeria was because I, I felt like I was escaping the Black Lives Matter movement after, you know, during all of that time. I was Nigerian, I'm hearing about brothers being gunned down every day. And I'm like, I need to be there, but I'm not the one to be at the white. I live right down the street from the White House when I live in DC, but I'm not the one to be there to trample me. But when the youth come out in Nigeria, what does the government do? They gun them down. These are our own people, our leaders, African leaders, gunning down the youth of the nation. I remember reading somewhere, and I can't remember the name of the book, but there was a passage in it that said, tell the man with the gun, or tell the man who gave the man the gun, that if he teaches our people, teaches our people to fear, he renders the whole nation defenseless. It's as simple as that. Uh, you mentioned something there, sir, which I found um, actually quite relevant to 2022. Um, you said that earlier on um, that Texas was also, uh, you know, you also had water and interesting tax. That's a fair, that's going on all over the globe, actually, in the UK as well. Um, and uh, it's quite rife here. Um, 
honestly, my personal take is the failure of all government. I think they should have planned this at least 20, 25 years ago, which they didn't. Um, and it's not like they didn't have information. I think this mm-hmm. is all by design, um, um, which is why I find that um, um, we had a guest, I think it was three weeks ago. Uh, he works in the, in, the, in the political space. He's, a, he's also a very good writer, academic and so forth. And um, we, uh, one of the points that we came up is how to organize people in a digital space, um, which is also why, um, you know, as a podcaster, I'm always looking to see who's doing what all over the globe, really, and seeing how, how different creatives, uh, thinkers, and so forth are using uh, their country's <clears throat> resources and, and their headspace and so forth, and how they packaging that basically in a digital space. Um, what I want to know, man, based off, based off, based off that there, um, given your travels and so forth, um, given that this problem that we're dealing with, is actually the first time I, in my knowledge in global history, that we actually all Western and so-called third world countries are all eating off the same plate. Um, my brother, um, how how are you guys using, um, or how are you in particular, and your university and your other contemporaries, using the digital space are you trying to organize people um in spreading um, consciousness um in spreading ideas ideologies they are you using how are you using the digital space to do that so yeah. and also so just to add on that uncle asa great question works because i was interested who's your audience um in juggable radio you know who's well, your we, audience yeah I, I don't even think we <laughs> i don't even think we Identify the, anybody who listens who would want to listen. <laughs> there's, no, there's no real marketing campaign behind Jollyville. We just uh, do it, and actually, it is a it's a vehicle for creativity and community. Meaning, Michael created it. Michael Crosa created it to maintain connections with his friends and to make new friends during the pandemic. So anything in addition to that is a plus. There's no marketing campaign. We, do, we are on social media, social media, that type of thing, but there's, there's no real audience. Uh, going to Wesley, um, for me, I, I, I'm not the guy who shouts from the mountaintop as a Pan-African. I'm more of the guy who, for lack of, lack of a better term, leads by example. I wear African clothing. If you initiate a conversation with me, I will tell you why. And then I would probably launch into a rant about Africa and African history. And we didn't, you know, here, we didn't start here explaining. We have a whole millennia, millennia of history in Africa. These are who, this is who we are. I'll go from there. If I'm working with students and any issue or topic that comes up, it's basically the same thing because, you know, young people are very curious and they will see the way, I, way, the way that I dress, the way that I comport myself, this type of thing. And they will ask questions. You know, what about your name? What about the clothing that you're wearing? This and, and I'll use that as an opportunity to, to uh, a learning opportunity, if you will. With the uh, Black Faculty and Staff Association, which I'm one of the the leaders of, I try to do the same things. I infuse 
uh, African African ritual. We do libation. Uh, I try to do call uh, call and response type uh, uh, activities. Uh, I bring in issues centering on us as African people in the world throughout the diaspora. You know, so how does social media play a part in that? That organization has social media. I try to do some things there, get some things published there, what we're doing. Uh, with Jollyville, uh, not so much, but we do have the social media aspect. And hey, man, I'm old school. You know, I'm not really the... I'm not really the social media. I'm not even. I mean, it's WhatsApp social media. I mean, that's all I'm doing, you know. Uh, but I understand the 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 power of it, and I wish that. I'm not gonna say I wish that because I don't have the patience for it, um, and I don't want all my business out there. But I understand the the power of it, and I think it has been used, especially with the Black Lives Movement, uh, getting people into the street, getting people. Uh, 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 encouraged about a certain issue and showing up at places and getting out to vote and you know protesting this and protesting that and and, and this kind of thing. So so yeah, it's very it's very um, very powerful medium. Uh, you know, back in my day, rappers or whomever would sell CDs and tapes. Well, it was tapes. It wasn't even CDs at that point. They were selling tapes out of their cars, you know, and selling CDs on the corner. But with social media and YouTube and uh, all of this stuff, you have a direct line to the people. And if you're not using that, especially if you're born, the young guy that works in our office, uh, I had a problem with my office phone. It's a landline. And I called him into my office. <laughs> I asked the young man, I said, hey, come here, man. Help me with the, can you help me with this phone? He's like, sure. He walked into my office. He's like, oh, I wasn't raised with a phone like that. <laughs> <laughs> If you have access to and you have influence on social media, use it. What are we doing? <laughs> why why did it take an old cat like me to say, can we do something with social media? You should be coming to me and saying, well, well uncle, uh, you know, we got this thing over here. You know, can you do or can you help us or or do you think, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So, social media, man. <laughs> um, I agree. I agree. And you're still raising some, some interesting points there. Uncle Asa, you are truly old school. I see that. But you're right, man. I feel like <laughs> the OG. But I, I, I feel you're right there that we are not. I, I also feel like the, the younger generation is really not utilizing the space, um, you know, to spread black love basically um because it is it is a way of life currently i know um we were forced into the space during covid and um battled with the you know how do we use this online space to exist especially with the rituals that you mentioned earlier on you know is it um is it okay to perform these rituals in public da 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 how do we connect physically as people but also how do we connect um use this big platform to connect honestly um with you guys in the us right now like we are sharing ideas and exchanging you know um our experience because i think it can be used as a very great tool the social media to to strengthen the african continent um i know um like you guys when you have your 
African History Month, you know, I know House of Caesar would also focus on that because a lot happened in fe February oh. in our own history, you know. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's a thing, and I don't know what we are not getting right because um, there is there are messages spread out through social media, mm -hmm. like social media is dictating lifestyles. Um, you know what to buy, how to live, what to read, but somehow I don't know what's going on. Um, it seems like the other content is not really welcomed. Yeah. So, what we should be doing is—I hate to tell people what we should be doing, but what I would like for us to do, what I yeah. would like for the youth to do, mm. is to use social media or the platform, whatever you have it, like you said, it tells you what to read, what to wear. We should be connecting mm. and reading. What what is it that I that I would want to read and know about Africa? You know, it's from this from this on this side, right? Mm. Because we, there's been a number done on us to reject Africa. Mm. There's only war, famine, disease, uh, and violence in Africa. So we should be connecting to understand what is actually happening there. What how are we still African? You see what I'm saying? What are the similarities? You go to West Africa, it's no different than here. It's just a different manifestation of the same thing. The food, the language, the structure of the language. And I've, and I've taught all of this in my work with, shared all of this in my work with young people, the similarities and the connections that we have throughout the diaspora. That's what we should be using social media for to build a world unity among African people, Pan-Africanism should be strengthened through this social media, whatever you call it, these platforms, instead of, you know, who, who ha who's driving a Bugatti, who's, who's popping bottles, who's wearing, you know, whatever labels, you should be able to wear in Africa across your chest, instead of some, somebody's brand, if that's what you want to call it, you know what I'm saying? So, but also, that is a way of uh, bring, I mean, taking care of the, of the economy, of the society if we buy each other's clothes and eat each other's yeah. food and yeah. that's how we grow our community anyway that's how black communities live you know Malcolm X, i mentioned Jeff, Malcolm X earlier he talked about the economics yeah. of black nationalism this is exactly what he's talking about yeah in our own community or like i did for 20 years only the only clothing that i bought besides you know underwear and socks uh african clothing from Africa. Everything that I bought, except for shoes and underwear, I bought it from Africa. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling. I'm not trying to tell everybody to do that. But I'm saying, if you're looking for a, an avenue to spend your dollars, if you can't even spend them in your own community here in the U.S. in black stores and, 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 and uh, establishments or whatever, spend it in Africa. I mean, just and we can share that information across social media. Who's buying and who's selling? It's just as simple. I, I just, you know, you have to forgive me. I'm, I get excited. I'm Pan Africanist, man. I get excited. Yeah, but no. <laughs> this is the platform for that. And I mean, I think a lot of white people can also like, if they wonder how to apologize, buy from Africa. There you is. know, <laughs> there it is. No, you don't know how to apologize. It's not your fault. As the, as, the, as the sister said, there's, nice a, a, there's a difference between there's a difference between a contribution and a commitment. Mm. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. You want to you want to call yourself an a, an ally because you know the term in America. I'm an ally. Okay, what is the extent of your allyship? Yeah. A contribution or a commitment? Commitment. Yeah. Sure. This is fire, guys. This is fire. I just want to commend you on all of the work that you've done in, in the name of Pan-Africanism, in the name of Black Love. Uh, and I, you know, when Ed Wesley asked me to do this, I was like, I ain't nobody. <laughs> I don't even what do you want me to talk about? <laughs> the commitment to uh, the struggle. You know, I love you, brother. And you brought this, this beautiful sister on with you to co-host with you. Uh, I love you, sister. And just continue to do the work that you're doing. It inspires me. And I know that it inspires uh, our brothers and sisters around the world. Mm -hmm. No, give thanks, my brother. And you inspire us. That's why we wanted to celebrate today, because that's another thing we do on this show. We really celebrate the great minds and thinkers and doers in our Black community. And thank you for gracing us with your presence um, and sharing yeah. the knowledge that... Uh, uh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Uh, thank you for being, for being loud and almost unpolitic. And we love you too. <laughs> yeah, but I just want to yeah. raise point and it's sort of also like in closing and 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 we can just wrap it up from here um, um because this line in my mind oh this internet line here seems a bit dead unstable which is something else we need to we need to, we need to work on because this is clearly uh, uh, something which is happening all over the world like if uh if entrepreneurs and like-minded people can can connect on a platform like this and look for possible solutions because these are problems i think we can solve um, and talking about solving uh, problems you were mentioning there of like black people uh, uh, investing in their own community. We are actually very conscious of that and the technology we are developing is to facilitate that process uh, is, 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 to, is, to, is to take black, uh, uh, um, um, I would just put African because I think I wanna, I'll, I'll exclude the house of people in the same point at this black. Um, um, it's also wanted to be a bit more uh, inclusive um, um, is to is to is to is to take that talent and to and to and to and to and to sell it or, or rather to sell it to, to bring it to people literally on your device, uh, which is for the click of of a few buttons you have the experience. Yes, yes. Well, not smell, but that will be coming once technology has developed. That's definitely something I'm, I'm we're looking at. But to bring that experience directly to your device. So uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, people with your type of energy and 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 a uh, 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 vision, um, yeah, we need we need more um, uh, like you know, guys, and and, and we want to connect more, and, and 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 not just on sharing um, ideas, but also um, talents, uh, uh, perspectives, and and so forth, which is which is which is which is um, which is which is very much needed. Um, um, so yeah, thanks um, thanks a lot for for, 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 for for talking to that and us not prompting <laughs> and us not prompting that. Um, my brother, sort of like in closing, like um, I know this is off. Uh, this is like very like just is not planned or anything. But you did say you were a poet, right? You did say you were yeah. writing. Like, do you have anything to share with us? Do you have any uh, any poetry, any any creative 
uh, expression can share with our listeners? I know so, I didn't ask you in the beginning, but I just had to drop that yeah. bomb. Yeah, please. So <laughs> when I when I was in DC, I used to read uh, different places around DC as a poet, and I got the chance to meet a guy that I I would listen to on the radio. His name is Kenny Carroll. And I, I donned him the poet laureate of DC. He was an older guy. He was older than me, and he was from that 70s type groove. And his, I mean, he was, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the artist Gil Scott Heron, The Revolution Would Not Be Televised. That's a commercial. But he was in that, I mean, just very analytical in the way that he put words and stuff together. So Women's uh, History Month, March of, I swear to you, it was 91 or two. And we were at Howard University. And it was him and a cadre of other poets that was in that circle. And I had this poem that I wrote about black women. It was called, I love black women. And he, he, and he said, because of the women's history, my program, he, 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 wrote, he, he, he came up to me and he said, brother, we want you to read that poem about, about black women. And I said, uh, I don't know. He said, look, if you call yourself a poet, you either know your stuff or carry it with you. So from that day forward, <laughs> I, you know, I have poems, so I will share this with the uh, uh, art lexicon. Uh, I mean, it's not the black woman poet. It's not the black woman poet. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is this is my first revolutionary or black consciousness poem that I wrote when I arrived in the nation's capital, U.S. nation's capital, Washington, D.C. <laughs> and the title of it is, Who Are You? nigger boy. I am life and all its color. His breath is sight before no other, my sister, the mother, man, and brother. This fact is known to few, not most, the man he lies, a power he boasts, while blood is stained the ivory coast. But now my duty to teach the small of pride and strength and truth of all the words and stone in pyramid stars. That was Woo! Woo! <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> That's the word power right there. Uh, you should, you should, you should perform more, brother. You should come uh, host uh, poetry readings in the garden. You should um, join us virtually one of these days. Would love to host you. <laughs> oh, I've, I've been promising Wesley Garabo that I'm coming to South Africa. I'm still coming. <laughs> come, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you, brother, for sharing that. Um, thank you. How do we follow you and the work that you do? Um, where can we get a hold of you just for our listeners as well to continue this conversation, you know? Uh, I mean, you know, you can, uh, Wesley has my information. I'm not on social media. You know, <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn media. and WhatsApp. That's social media. What are you talking about? So you're on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> it's not even up to date. <laughs> Oh, it's Asa Al Kebulan. Um, you I, like I like the way you say it. Keep saying it. <laughs> I told you, Wes, that I'm saying it funny. I told him that. How do you? You're not. You're not actually. No, I love it. Okay. Okay. Um, That's the way they say it in, in, in West Africa. Oh, Asa. Yeah. Yeah. So let's connect, um, family. And thanks again for your time, my brother. This has I been. Yeah, man. Much love to the work and the effort you guys you're putting in. Uh, 
you know, as I said in the beginning in the middle of the show, like uh, your energy resonates, you know, we're feeling it right here in SA in the early wee hours of the morning as well. And it's mighty, I appreciate it. And also like what I, what I appreciate, like is the support that you're giving to, uh, to young African creators like myself and others. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, we are very interested in creating that network um and um, controlling this digital space um and, and controlling it to our narrative and to our beat that's something we're working very very hard in. so much love and much respect to all the um the support for that and to the listeners remember guys uh all social media platforms uh youtube uh <laughs> I'm, i always get in uh, <laughs> Facebook. Uh, I, don't I, last week, I know last week recording was about this and that but we are on this new podcast which is which which is mm-hmm. african based uh, podcast uh, so please catch us there we also patreon um so if you want to send us financial love we can definitely hook us up there and uh, so it's all the others so uh, uh twitter facebook is basically peppers the artist podcast <laughs> sometimes i get a bit tongue tied when i bring all those shout outs but yeah much love uh siza and you can wrap it up ah no man much love to you guys let's continue to connect and uh spreading black love um we love you guys thank you for saying that no it's normal to love each other love you so much uh enjoy the rest of your week um yeah and um everyone listen we'll catch you in seven days later time.